I want to read to you two scriptures, same scriptures, but in two different versions. And uh, I'd like for us to do a, a test and see if you can recognize prophetic ministry in the, in, the letter, in the words of Paul. Because what we're trying to do, well, let me explain why I'm doing this. We take, I'll, I'd say, to, to Cuba, five, six hundred people already in a period of ten, five, ten years. And as they get there, and they begin to pray with people, it affects them psychologically, spiritually, mentally, physically. And they begin to have a relationship with God that uh, they never had before. Now, before Cuba, Brazil was what I did. Uh, I have a couple buildings in, in, in Rio de Janeiro, north of the Guanabara Bay. And as they would come, lives would totally changed, totally changed, completely. I'm talking about drastically. You know, one pastor was Dr. Eugene Dunn, pastor of, of Arlington, Virginia, Arlington, Virginia. And uh, God just changed that man's life. He's a powerful man of God, a scholar, a, a powerful teacher. And one trip to Brazil, his life was totally changed. So the question is, how does that happen? Y'all want to know? Okay. When you are in a controlled environment that controls you, you tend not to participate openly and fully because it's, it's, you're, you're exposed to others. But in Brazil, there's, there's, nobody knows you. You're lost in the wilderness with a bunch of short, good-looking Brazilians and, and all of this is simply just not going to take place. You're, gonna, you're going to dance. You're going to clap. You're going to uh, uh, just enjoy the Lord. And, and suddenly you lay hands on people and pray for them. Now, I had translated in the first year. The Lord said, take the translators out and let them be English only. Now, you know the people are not understanding what you say because they speak Portuguese. So how can any ministry be done when nobody understands, that's when it gets better. That's when the Holy Spirit begins then to apply in the life. So as they begin to pray, they begin to move in faith because it's the only thing that you have is faith to pray for the lives of the people in front of you. And it can be five, ten deep. In Cuba this time, it's a three-hour service. And it was amazing how they kept on coming back, the same people when we did a tunnel, but there was no translation, even though there are three translators there, you know, Kayleen and Margarita and Melanie, Melanie, all three were ready to translate, but we decided not to allow them to translate. And so that propels you to reach out in prayer, praying, and that's when you assume the place of the Holy Spirit moves in, in the gift of prophesying affects and deeply change. So as you become a channel of the Holy Spirit in the life of others, your life changes drastically, drastically, drastically. Then we put Bible study on you. Now, I brought, I brought this to show you the material, the material for Brazil, the mission trip. 
Okay? All right. This is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, part one, two, three, and four. And, and, uh, and it's the two to three hour Bible study for about five days, just on this. Okay. All right. The principles of prophecy. This is very important because witnessing in the life of the church is critical. And if we can teach people how to witness, how to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, is that true that when you visit Brazil, you are drastically changed forever? Is anybody here who testified to that? Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, about 10 people that said that, David. So that makes my case, right? They're not the same. Okay. So that's, that's, that is principles of prophecy. And then here is the character of discipleship. How does the, a spiritual character develop as you begin to pray for others, as you begin ministering to others? And so that is a good, good, good 30 page right here. All right, here's some more. This is the 10 keys for health prophetic life. What are the 10 things you've got to do in order to begin understanding this principle because it affects your life tremendously. Uh, in my computer, there are at least 5,000 people, 4,500, that have been deeply affected. And of course, I've been an evangelist for the period of 50 years. And, and uh, another thing too, uh, Methodist Church never paid me a salary or retirement. And I'm still looking pretty good, don't I? <laughs> right? That's my children. They gave me Christmas stuff. Christmas shirt. I bought this pair of shrimp Peru, $25. <laughs> God just blesses me to no end. So 10 keys of prophetic life. Okay, good. Then I moved down here. And, uh, and I, uh, this is important to me because the consecration of the priest as, as, as Israel left Mount Sinai and camped in the Median Desert and built the only the two things. God did, God did that tabernacle word by word. The same thing he did in the Ark of Noah. He called the shot on details. But on this, on this tabernacle, uh, he consecrated the priests. And so there's a methodology of consecrating people who pray. A service of consecration. Those who pray should be supposed to be elevated in the life of the church in order to bless the people of God. And, and bless the people. In other words, if the people who come to worship are blessed, they will, they'll come back next Sunday or Sunday and Sunday. I said it. Now, over here is, is it, this is a confession uh, of, for healing prayer. And there are several scriptures here, and in, in in it's scripturally explaining. Biblically, the principle of prophesying. And I wish I could explain to you, but every single word on these two pages is New and Old Testament dealing with the principle of speaking forth in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then, uh, this is the one that takes at least five to ten hours. And this is to understand the cross. Because without understanding of the cross, then it's very difficult to, uh, to be able to be, to be in, the, in the spirit realm of knowing the grace of God. Christians who don't understand the cross have a serious problem with sin 
It's not that they sin, it's that they don't, they are condemning themselves and there's no release, okay? And so, and so we teach the cross. Beginning with Moses and Elijah, Moses and Aaron and the Lord himself uh, in, in the Median Desert. For, by the way, that trip from the desert is supposed to last 40, 11 days and it lasted 40 years. Amazing, amazing. And so finally, I explain, and in these studies here, I explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to John Wesley. Father Lane was an experience that marked. People say, well, uh, the problem with John Wesley, it did nothing happen at, uh, at Aldersgate Street, but it did happen at Feather Lane. And I read the accounts are here, and I want, I'll read that. And so we deal with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, so now you know that, uh, that a mission trip to Brazil in June is on the, is on the horizon, and we've got to cover all of this in a period of about uh, 10 days. Amen? And there will be another teacher. The, the other teacher is John Freeland, pastor, that will teach on the book of how to pray. And, and then uh, also a lady called, uh, it's a lady called Jennifer Bauman. She's an awesome speaker and an awesome Bible teacher, minister deliverance and healing. And she is just an amazing, I've discipled her for 10 years now, for 20 years. And never in my mind thought that she would be a part of us. Never, never. I mean, this is a lady down there that I send material for 20 years. And suddenly, she's traveling with us every single trip. Isn't that something? She arrived tomorrow morning for the conference here. We're having a conference in a place called Peach Street City, uh, a hotel called Crown Plaza. It begins at 7 o'clock Friday night, Saturday all day until 10 o'clock. Okay, good. So I'm, 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 I'm inviting you to that. Also, I'm supposed to invite you to, to join us for Christmas dinner. Okay, and uh, uh, Mary, Mary, Anne-Marie Nutter uh, is in charge of this, but this is our dinner, our menu, and we're going to be at the uh, place called uh, Georgia Club on 316 before you get to Athens, Georgia. The ne next light is called G Jimmy Daniel. Before that, about five miles, something like that, okay? So if you'd like to attend, just sign your name down there, and that's it. Okie dokie, Amen. All right, so let's, let me read the scripture. And uh, we're going to read Matt, Timothy chapter. The Bible is heavy. The machine can't take it. Okay, let me read uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 uh, to, to 16. I'm going to read in the King James, and then I'll read on, on the NIV to get a clear understanding of the scriptures, okay? So let me read. But you, all men of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. There's a reason for these words. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Whereunto we are, you are called, also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. He's referring to 414, 
First Timothy 4.14. I give you charge in the sight of God. That is very strong. Who quickens all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom, has, whom no man has seen nor can see, to, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. All right, let's go into NIV, which is a little different. But you, O man of God, flee from this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you were made your good confession in the presence of witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. Okay, I think I finished, didn't I? 16, that's right. Uh, uh, to, who alone is immortal, immortal, who lives in an approachable light, whom no one has seen and can see, to him honor and might forever. Okay, what is the difference between the two? The difference between the two is adjectives. It changes adjectives. It changes verbs. But it has the same content. Now, the purpose then tonight is to see where Paul is prophetically saying something out of the norm. Now, who is this man, Paul? Paul wrote uh, a third of the New Testament, 14 epistles. Paul was in Rome, in, in prison in Rome. Paul is year 65, 33, 34 years after Christ. Paul is about to be decapitated by Nero. John comes in, takes hold of the seven churches. And, and, of course, Timothy stays with Ephesus. So, having said that, let's take a look at, and I want to use the NIV, and let's see what you hear, okay? Now, the prophetic has content, has weight. Number, number two, the prophetic has a, 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 a way to identify with the environment of the day, the things that were happening outside of Ephesus in the streets. Notice that this is a very charged time in the life of Christians. 35 years after Christ, you're talking about persecution by Nero, killing thousands of people, putting families and their children in the stadium in Rome and, 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 and lose the, the animals to slaughter them in the presence of thousands that cheered. This is a dark time in Christian history. And so you've got to understand the problem is not only that. The problem is also that, that the disciples could not present themselves forward for fear of imprisonment. And they began to die. James is the first one that died by the sword. And so let's take a look. But you, O men of God, flee from this, meaning all of this that I'm talking about, and pursue righteousness, 
Now, these seven ingredients here are, are, are important. And I want I I to see if I can refer to them a little bit. And I don't know where I did refer to them, but let me tell you this. Let me go back here. I don't, I don't see where it is, so let me just by mind remember. Pursue righteousness. Righteousness is something that is endued upon you and put upon you by the grace of God that in Christ you are righteous. In other words, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ. So we are sinners, but we are under the right. So it is a right relationship with you and with God, number one. Number two, with God. Number two, relationship with others, godliness. You, you, you're, you're righteous with God and you, you're righteous with other people. Number, godliness, number two. Number three, faith. Now the faith he's speaking here is the same faith that you find in First Hebrews chapter 1. Faith is the evidence of what? Things that I hope for. Meaning, it's, it's a faith that, uh, but the faith that is here is the same faith of First Corinthians chapter 12. The gift of the Holy Spirit, faith, work, and mere gifts of healings. That's the faith here. Why he is putting this Greek verb on this faith? Because the faith of that time needed to have power to overcome darkness. And so it's, he is simply saying, God has a second type of faith that we Christians depend on. The first faith is Hebrews 12. For instance, let's say, let's find it somewhere else. How about Romans chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse, verse 1? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. So this faith that I'm talking about, it is to bring you in right standing with God. But the faith that he refers to here in 1 Timothy is the supernatural faith to call things that be not as though they were. So when you are struggling in life, when you don't know what to do, you stand on your faith. And God will begin to tell you, do this, and you do that, and you do this, and you remain here, and you remain, and God then gives you victory. So it's special faith. It's beyond and above. One of the examples of this faith is uh, uh, the sanctuary that is in our, our, our mission in Brazil. We have a beautiful sanctuary. It sits about 300 people. We build it. And I had a, a faith believing that I got 180 names out of all the people that I knew at that time. And I asked them for $15 a piece to build the sanctuary uh, for the mission. Well, uh, I think I sent, I don't know how many letters I sent, but at the bottom of the letter I said, if I don't get $15 from you, I'm going to come to see you. <laughs> okay. And that just caused a commotion. We raised $180,000 and built that sanctuary. Okay, I didn't, now that was special faith. I don't want this Brazilian boy to come to my house to get $15. Give it to him. Get rid of him. <laughs> and, and the result was overwhelming. So there was something there, special and beyond, beyond faith. Next, love. Because love here is not eros, it's not phileus, but it's agape love. In other words, pursue loving, caring for people. 
showing kindness to them and gentleness. And then the next one is this endurance. Why did Paul use the word endurance? Is because he knew that what's happening in culture in Ephesus those days. Look, let me paint. Romans were the size, most of them, they were soldiers, the size of Lane Tucker, 6'4", 6'5". All of them had the attires of linen that went over their shoulder and down the hand, and they had beautiful sandals. Then the hair was coiffured. In other words, they, they twisted the hair and made sure that the, 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 the head was filled with blonde hair twisted and, and hanging. And, and so it looked like a woman from the back, but in, in front was a man. And most of the days they took showers. And, and, and to, if you look at the place in Ephesus coming from the uh, offices of, of the Roman army, going down to the library, which is right here, and over here is the stadium, okay? You can see these tall men walking gently, perhaps with an umbrella and some slave covering him from the sun. It was the wealth, the rich, the, the, the pompous, the proud, the undying, people that were totally lost. And so what Paul is saying to him to, to deal with these type of people, you're going to have to love them and love others. Okay, and you know how to love, so you have to endure. So pursue endurance because it's going to take time. Okay, it's going to take time. All right, so and then he says, in gentleness. Meaning, as you are in full time ministry, one of the things that's difficult to have at times is gentleness because you want to kick somebody. You know, sheep bite, okay? Pastors are not deprived from, from, from uh, uh, this situation. They are involved in it. There are some people that will, will come at you with teeth and they will take a piece of you. And it disturbs the psychic of a pastor if he doesn't able, not able to be gentle in return and, and reprimand that demon right there. And so the problem, he, what he's saying fits Timothy, Okay, it fits his need, his problem. And what I'm saying to you, you can take these seven words and begin developing them in your life. And then, then he says, fight the good fight. What do you mean the good fight? The good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. What do you mean by that? Oh, my goodness gracious. If you are called to serve the Lord, you're going to be tested. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be harassed. I want to tell you, this is a true story I'm telling you, okay? I mean, I'm 1970, 70, 73. I'm in North Georgia in your conference in Athens, Georgia. I'm already thinking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about what God is doing in my life. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, an evangelist without annuity, without pension, without retirement. And, 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 I, and, and I never went down. Most evangelists served two years, and they, they die. And the Lord just kept me going. Endurance just kept me going. I just kept on going. Well, he came at me. He, didn't like, he was an evangelist, but he, he, he couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. And he slapped me in the bathroom. I mean, I was on the floor holding, and somebody grabbed this man out and pulled him out and never see him again. What I mean is, if you're called of God, it's going to cost you. You're going to have situations that will persecute you and harass you. And then again, you make mistakes. 
and I'm responsible for the mistakes. But <laughs> I want to go back to that man and let him have a piece, piece of, of my Brazilian show. But I couldn't do it. You understand? And so, and so uh, Paul is saying to, to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Put your ministry in perspective. Put your call in perspective and continue to do that which you. Do you know that David Nutter wrote a bunch of books? Y'all know David Nutter's books. We need to bring him here and put him here so we can. David, David, David has a way of fighting. He writes books and he published these books and passed on. The latest one was On the Way to a Cocktail Party. Thank you, John. Okay. So, now, take hold of eternal life. Now, this is prophetically. Fight the good fight of faith and take hold. What do you mean by taking hold? Listen, if you are a Christian and you want to live this type of life, if you call of God to do what needs to be done in your life, you don't belong to yourself. You're going to have to go to trials and tribulations. You're going to have to be tested. You're going to have to struggle with things that come upon you. And God is calling. You know, we cancel Bible study in, in here, and we're coming to Mount Bethel. And, uh, and, and, and um, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to tour the campus and see some people. Uh, 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 Terry and, and John are going to give me the, the, the look around. I want to pray for certain situations and that. And so, and so, what am I doing this for? I'm 80 years old, close to 80. I'm supposed to be in Florida playing shuffleboard. <laughs> so what am I doing here? I have a call. Amen. And then tomorrow, tomorrow uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, I go to Brazil. Who wants to go on an eight-hour trip to Brazil? There's no fun. There's a baby yelling and screaming next door to me. Okay, and I have to just get to Brazil, go to the mission, and they have a, hundreds of questions, hundreds of needs. We're feeding 5,000 meals a month. It's a big program. And so I have to counsel the pastor, counsel the cook, counsel that. Now, it, you know, there's no money that pays that. You know, this is just, now, why, why, why is it that I'm taking hold of eternal life? Because God called me to do this, and I'm going to honor him, so be it. So when you are comfortable, not able to have things that are required of you, and you simply have a form of godliness that denies the power, then you begin to have a boring life. Boring, boring. So tomorrow, in order to complicate things a little bit, I'll drive to Peach Street City, and I expect about 50 women, that's the number, down there waiting for me for a conference for women on the prophetic. Now, who wants to do that? <laughs> you know, tomorrow night, Georgia Bulldogs are playing. Well, I'm not going to miss, I'm going to miss the game. And I, I, I want to go home, get my pajamas. Sit down there with a nice Coca-Cola, you know, and just enjoy life. You know, today I had a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, Patty and, and Terry invited us, John and Linda, to have supper with them. And that meat just melted in my mouth. And, and everything else was, oh, my goodness gracious. The black-eyed peas, oh, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful meal uh, that I had. Now, that's living. And I, I, I look at the bed, you know, 
And the bed, when you put your hand on the bed, you can hear the bed say, take over, lay down. Even the dog likes me. <laughs> it's amazing how that little dog just stares at me. So why, why am I then have to go to Brazil and spend a whole week down there with major problems? Because you're called. And so the question that Paul is struggling here is saying to him, listen, fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. Take hold of eternal life because that's what, don't, want to go to, don't you want to go to heaven? Amen. Don't you think there's eternal life? Okay. So, so, uh, to which you were called when you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses, which is 414. He was anointed with all, and Paul laid hands on Timothy and asked him to repeat after me. And so all of this is prophetic. He's moving from men of God to what he should do to remain a man of God and what a man of God constitutes in the sight of God now. He begins with men of God now. In the sight of God who gives life to everything. And of Christ Jesus, who while testifying by Pompeo Pilate, made a good confession, I charge you. In other words, don't you let me down. Don't you even think that you're going to give in to these things. My father was a pastor of a large church. And I invited him to come to the States to visit several churches on Highway 66 in Oklahoma. We are famous highway. And I used to travel that highway and all the churches there and spend time playing the guitar and singing. My father couldn't speak English, so I have to translate him. And so I began to translate my father. Suddenly, he would call me in the pulpit and say, you're not translating what I said. I said, Dad, you don't speak English, but the Holy Spirit talks to me. And so after three churches, me trying to change him to soften up the tune, okay? <laughs> I remember I had a Le Mans, Le Mans, Pontiac Le Mans. I was so proud of that car, okay? Okay. That he stopped the car. He stopped the car, rolled his, his pants all the way up, took his jacket, put it on his back, and began walking on the side of the road and would not come in the car. And I'm, 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 I, when you drive a car, you, you, you can overheat the engine simply by, by standing still. And the engine is heating and the red light is on. He wouldn't come in. So finally, after a while, he came to the door and said, I will come in now. But tonight, you change one word for me, and I'll never talk to you again. Yeah, okay, okay, Dad, I'll do that. And he preached, and I translated exactly. He said, the altar packed. It was the best night of the whole week. God, a lot of people came to Christ. And my dad was an anointed man. You know, he's, he had a 25,000-member church. Dad was full of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, what, I, what I'm saying here, Paul's saying to Timothy, in the sight of God, I charge you to do right, not play games with it. Remain faithful. Be bold before God. Speak your peace before the Lord. Share with others. Prophesy over others. Begin a ministry of your own and caring and ministering to others. So uh, you're going to take that out of here. Thank you. I, I didn't know what to do with it. So what, what do you do? What do you do in terms of start? 
if prophetically I'm speaking to you today, then something has to change in your life. Something has to change in the way you feel about yourself. And so I asked the Lord, how about tonight? What would what you, what, what you do? He said, stick, stick with this here and finish this. So in the sight of God who gives life to everything in Christ Jesus, who, who, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good, I charge you to keep this commandment without spot or blame. Now, to keep this commandment without spot, but without spot or blame. Keep the commandment. Now, I'm going to stop for just a moment. And I'm going to use this, this, one of the, these materials that I teach in Brazil and, uh, uh, to understand the prophetic. It's right here. Okay. Now, I'd like to begin by reading scriptures that are not the ones I'm reading, but emphasizes how prophetically Old Testament is also a blessing. Well, here is, here is Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And this is Paul. Uh, and now, brethren, I commend you to God. This is Paul leaving Caesarea by the sea, going to Rome. He was crying because the people seeing him never will see him again. So this is the last words of Paul before he gets in the boat. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. Pretty much identical, is it? Fight the good fight. I charge you. You see it? I commend you to God. That's prophetic. In the world of his grace, meaning don't get involved in sin that don't, don't, is not covered by the cross, which is able to build you up. Look at that. Building you up. And, and to give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified, meaning eternal life. Same thing. He's talking now to a bunch of people that came to see him. But you see that the context of the scriptures and the words. That's what I wanted to do tonight. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But the Lord's working it out. You got to see in the scripture as you read that which is actually speaking to you. Okay. Example. One more example. My wife passed away two years ago. And for two years, I've been wondering, where is she? I know she's in heaven, but where? I want to know. Mary Lucy don't have a, a, an idea about direction. Okay, she don't know how to get from point A to point B. And I, I don't trust her to make a decision to where she wants to go in heaven. Okay, so, so I'm, really, I'm really concerned and bothered about that. Then I went to Luke 20. And Jesus responding to these Sadducees about a man with seven wives and in heaven which wife he has said to this in heaven uh, uh, you are children of God like Abraham like Isaac like Elijah like Moses okay and I said wait a minute now these people are dead people and then he said there's no dead people in heaven only only living people God is not the God of the dead but of the living so that means if Elijah, then I thought, well, transfiguration, Elijah and Moses met on the top of Mount Hermon. Transfiguration, remember? So tell me, who came from heaven to talk to Jesus? And there's a dialogue in there. Moses and Elijah. So if Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus, why wouldn't the Mary Lucy be talking to Jesus too? So knowing Mary Lucy and her love for Jesus, 
I bet you she, he is he is holding the he is, she is just <laughs> she's got her little flag going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. I went to a church in Cincinnati, Ohio, with about three thousand members in dead animals on their necks everywhere. It was an unbelievable place. And my wife, PhD this, PhD that, doctor here, doctor here. I was supposed to preach that morning. And, she, and the organ began playing the Bach. And she picks up her little flag. And I said, honey, this is not the place for that. Okay, so this. Let me, another, another verse. Job 22, 8, 28. Job 22, 28. We're trying to identify prophetic utterances in the Bible and understand what he's saying. Understand the content of it. Apply it to your life. Like, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. That is God speaking to Job. Thou shalt decree a thing, meaning Job, say something. You want to be blessed. You, you lost all your children. Say, say, I want God to give you more children. That's prophetic. Speak. You know, I mean, every time I go to Delta Atlanta Airlines, I go to, to the airport, you know, I keep on yelling. I call forth a parking space in Jesus' name. God, I don't want to be in the back way down there, a mile away from the entrance. I want a parking space up front. Lord, I want a parking. And so I just open up the window. I want a parking space. <laughs> There's nobody listening. Okay. And suddenly I got a, I got a space. Okay. Now, Colossians 119, the same thing. But I want to, I'm going to read and I ask you to, to say, hey, if you recognize. Because I want you, can you do, hey, let's practice. Hey, okay, good. Okay, here we go. For this cause we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. That's right. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Oh, yes. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, knowledge of, in other words, you're telling me that his prayers, I want to know what God, his will is. I want, Terry contacted me and said, Rick, you're welcome to come to my house. We're going to have supper at 5 o'clock. Now, when I heard supper, you know, it wasn't God that talked to me. It was this part of me here that, that began to think about supper. All right? I mean, I've been hungry too long, but tonight I have been fed. Mm, that was good. Okay, okay, another one. Do your A, okay? Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Yeah, yeah. In other words, giving thanks to the Father who made us to qualify. In other words, he makes you qualify. Oh, I have a sin, I have a problem, I did this, I did that. Wait a minute now. He makes you qualify. He qualifies you. If you look at the cross and you recognize the cross, you receive Jesus in your heart, you confess your sin, he's just in favor to forgive your sins and pay your bill. He has done it in my life. Okay. Want another one? If he abide in me 
In my words, abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to read to you a statement from a man that was in jail for about 12 years at Federal Penn here in Atlanta. He was the number one man that, uh, uh, that drug lords out of Mexico, and he's a dear friend of mine. He supplied me all, everything I need. His name is Newton Smith. He went with us to Peru. Now, I want you to hear him preaching. And I'll bring him here one of these days for you to hear him. Okay. I am God's new creation in Christ Jesus. And God himself, through the word of his grace, is building me up and give, gives me my inheritance among the sanctified. You've heard that before. You see it? God himself builds the living word into my spirit. God is taking the things revealed in his word and the spirit of God is building those words into me that I might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. You hear it? Okay. You sure now? So that the exact knowledge of my inheritance through the living word of his power is flowing into me. And he is bringing forth all that the living Christ is to me and Christ is being formed in me. Christ is the vine life flowing into me. I'm the living branch producing fruit unto God. The spirit of Christ lives in me and I'm giving Thanks unto the Father who has given me the ability to enjoy my share of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's a man that, uh, it, it's a, I mean, 12 years in jail. I'm qualified by the Father to be a partaker of all the ability of the divine nature and enjoy all that the blood of Christ pur purchased for me through the eternal spirit. So now I walk in the light in the glory of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. 